fast enough. I've not felt released to stop because I believe there's just so many things in there that we can really get for ourselves in these times we are living in. This last week, if you watched the news, you knew again, you were reminded again that we are really in the end of the end of the end. There were seven earthquakes in different countries within 24 hours. Thousands of thousands of people were killed. We had the balloon that was spying on the U.S. We had some celebrities deciding they were going to do like a devil worship in front of the whole world, actually, not just America. If you don't know what the signs of the times are, please go read it in your Bible. Jesus made it very, very clear. The things that we will see in the last days. Perilous times will come. There will be earthquakes. There will be farming. Have you been to the store recently and spent $50 and you go back home with half a plastic bag? Is it just me? The shelves are empty. What's going on? This, the Bible says, when these things happen, we that know that we have the gist, we shouldn't despair. He says we should look up. He says for your redemption draws near. So please don't get distracted. There's so much noise going on, but don't get distracted. Remember what the Bible says. It says, when evil abounds, what does it say will abound more? The grace of God will abound even more. So the enemy is trying to distract us so that we don't take care of things that we need to take care of, so that we will be ready and take those that God wants to save with us. There will be a great awakening. There will be a great revival. There will be a great harvest of souls in these last days. And so if you get into the arguments and the conflict and these stupid talkings on, on social media, you're not praying, you, you don't know what's going on. I'm really doing some of these things so that we can begin to see beyond just what we see. There is war going on for the souls of men, for your soul, for the souls of your children. And we are on Facebook, on social media, fighting amongst ourselves about who is really in the congregation or who was at the, what do they call it, where the guy was wearing the pitchfork stuff, that uh, Grammy Awards, right? We are arguing about that on Facebook. We are not on our knees praying for our children, praying for ourselves and saying, God, use me. Use me. This great awakening that is coming, this great harvest of souls that is coming. I'm available, God. Help me to stand in the gap for my family, for my community, for my nation. That's what I'm reminding you of. Don't get distracted. The devil is smart. We need to know that he was here before us. Matthew chapter 15 verse 3, the title today was 
turning the tables on Haman. We're going to get some lessons from the book of Esther. By the time I finish this series, I'm, I'm taking my time. I'm not going to be in a hurry. Because we need to start getting to understand what the enemy is doing. We really need to. Matthew chapter 15 verse 13. But he, Jesus, answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. So just from that we can tell that there are some things in our lives that have been planted by the enemy. There have been some things around us that have been planted by the enemy, but it wasn't God that planted them. Some of the things we see happening, God is not behind it. The enemy knows that his time is short. And so he is like a rabid dog. So we know that these things that have been planted by the enemy, we are the ones Jesus is going to use to uproot them. And so we must start sometimes, on a, start with you, put yourself in a corner and tell yourself, are you really ready for Jesus' coming? If he comes today, am I going to really, what can I stand in front of him and say I have done for him? Yeah, we will go into heaven. Some of us, we go in with the, barely with the skin of our teeth. But when he sees you, are you going to be telling him, trying to give him something to tell you that you did for him? Or when he sees you coming, is he going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? That's what this is all about. So today, we are going to be uprooting some things. Through this series, we, are going to, we already started it. Because enough is enough. We are at ease in Zion. And the Bible says, woe is he who is at ease in Zion. This is not the time for us to, to be at ease. Now, there are some things that are going on around us in our lives, like I've been saying the past two weeks. It does not make sense. The cycles and the patterns and the things that your family is dealing with, your community is dealing with, you yourself are dealing with over and over and over. This is the things we need to address so that we can be ready. So that God can help us take care of these things. So not only can we be ready, but we can go out without any limitation, without any obstruction, without anything holding us back. Because you were sent to this world for a purpose. Amen? Amen. So there's a war going on. There's a battle going on. And we're going to see in the life of Esther, in the book of Esther, how a war, a battle of 500 years that this young girl, an orphan girl, not educated, not influential, often taken by her uncle, raised by her uncle, how she was put in the middle of a war that started when the Israelites left Egypt. And how she defeated the enemy. Exodus chapter 17 verses 14 to 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called his name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn 
the Lord ha- will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, this story here, or this scripture here, came about because once the Israelites left Egypt and they were in the wilderness, the Amalekites were the very first people that attacked them. And they attacked them in such a cowardly, vicious way. As they were moving, all four million of them, the weak ones, the elderly, the sick, the children, the women were lagging behind. And the Amalekites sneaked in from the back and attacked and killed a lot of Israelites. And that was what made God very furious. And so from that day, from that war, that first encounter, God swore that from generation to generation, that the Amalekites will never raise their heads. You were born again, you were saved, and you left Egypt. When I'm saying some of these things, listen, don't think of people, because I'm going to be using a lot of enemy, evil spirits. Don't always have somebody in your mind. Think of the enemy that is after your life. Think of the devil that is after your future. Think of the devil that never wants you to amount to anything. Never wants you to do anything notable for the kingdom of God. That's what I want you to put at the back of your mind. And so you've been saved. You've, you're born again. You've left the kingdom of darkness. And you are now in an area where God is beginning to shape you and mold you and form you into his image. To take you to your promised land. And you have some things you haven't taken care of yet. The very day we get saved, it's not the, I mean, we are all fish when we, when we, with scales and smell and everything. But God begins to clean you up. And in that vulnerable state, the devil comes and puts some things on you. God doesn't like that. God does not like that because God wants to walk with you and perfect all that concerns you according to the Bible. And so that's what the Amalekites done in the physical. But what is happening to you is also the same in the spirit. And so when they attack you and they stop, the enemy attacks you and stops you from growing in Christ, that depression that just will not leave, that panic attack that will not leave you alone, all the things happening to you right now, you don't want to drink that alcohol, but you find yourself drinking and giving excuses why you should be, God does not like that. That's the Amalekite in your life. And God doesn't want that. That's why God says, you are vulnerable right now. He's trying to grow you, but he's attacking you. The enemy is. So that's what we are reading about here. And so when God told Saul, God said, I will wipe them out. I will let my child be all that I want him or her to be. And my child will go into her promised land. Her dreams, her desires will be fulfilled. What I created for her to do, she will do it. That's your promised land. But the enemy will not want you to do that. That's the Amalekites. So when God told Saul, the very first king, wipe them all out, the men, the children, the animals, everything, that's what God is telling us. Every demonic hold in you, every stronghold, wipe it out. So don't keep thinking, oh, is God so wicked, he just wants to kill children, animals. Uh, no, he's, we, are, we, are, we are looking at it spiritually now. He's telling you anything, anything that hinders you, anything that holds you back, kill it. Destroy it. It's not your friend. Take the antidepressant. 
Yes. Take the anti-anxiety medicines. Yes. Go for therapy. Yes. But the root is what you need to uproot. If you go to a weed and you cut that weed, come back tomorrow. The weed is growing again. Until you pull it out from the root, that you will fight with that weed forever. That's what God is telling us. It's not against medicine. But don't use the medicine as, as the all in all. Your goal is to approve that thing. Take the medicine, but let's go after the root. Let's go after this demon for the last 500 years who leave your family alone. Everybody has to have that cancer. Everybody has to be an alcoholic. Everybody has to abuse their wives. Everybody has, the women cannot get married and stay in their husband's homes. It's not ordinary. That, there's a root behind it. And we, we need to, that's what I want us to do this series. Dig that root off. Dig it up and throw it away. God told King, King Saul, he says in 1 Samuel, that's what 100 years later, when King Saul was, was uh, made the king of Israel, said, 15, 1 Samuel 15:2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek. That's the instruction to Saul. And utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. Don't spare the enemy. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. But what did Saul do? In 1 Samuel 59. But Saul disobeyed. And then he spared Agag. And the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. <laughs> it's not good. That alcohol tastes good, but <laughs> the end goal is to take everything you have. That cigarette, mm, but it's not good. Destroy it. He refused. He didn't do it. And so 500 years later comes a beauty contest in Persia. The Israelites, the Jews, have been carried into Babylon as slaves. The Amalekite that Saul did not kill showed up in the, in the name of Haman. The Bible says... First of all, let's talk about Esther. Second, uh, Esther chapter 2, verses 5 and then 7. In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jed, the son of Shema, the son of Kish. Who was Saul? Saul was, <laughs> was son of Kish, a Benjamin. And Mordecai had brought up, brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. And then look at chapter 3, verse 1. And after these things, the king Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagat. Remember it was King Agag of the Amalekites that Saul did not kill. 500 years later, that spirit has come up now in the spirit of Haman. The Haman is here now. What does he want to do again? We'll see how he still wants to destroy 
the Israelites that he started with 500 years ago. And because Saul did not do what he was supposed to do, 500 years later, here comes that spirit again. Now the table is set. Let's go on the journey. Let's see what happens. Amen? Let's see what God... (laughs) Most of you are fighting battles that didn't begin with you. I hope you know that. It didn't begin with you. You are just like Esther. You just brought you on the scene. Beautiful, young, lovely, pure-hearted. And right there, you are in the middle of what? You have no clue. You hated what daddy was doing. You hated it, but here you are. You've become daddy. It's not about you. And so that's why we need to be smart. I call it spiritual intelligence. But the good thing is, Esther is in the court now. She's in the court of the king. She is the queen. And what are you? You are the bride of Christ. And you are in the kingdom now. And so let's see what Haman, the spirit of Haman. Haman is still here. The person Haman may have died, but that spirit is still here. Demons don't die. Why do we want to look at Haman? Because you want, to, you want to study. The Bible says we should not be ignorant of the devices, the wiles of the enemy. We are going to expose him today. And we are going to expose him in the man Haman and the spirit of Haman. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So what does Haman mean? Haman. Remember, Haman is the, uh, uh, from the descend, he's a descendant of, of the Amalekites, King Agag. Haman means noise. He's a noisy spirit. It wants to stop you from hearing God. You are so involved, there's so much noise around you. You can't hear God. You can't take directions from God. Haman means chaos. (laughs) You handle one thing, before you're done with that, three show up. Chaotic. So you don't have time to focus and really figure out what is going on. Haman is dubious. Very sneaky. Very slick. He will come in the face of somebody and that person doesn't even know why they are doing what they are doing to you. And then you take the bait and you start fighting that person. And Haman is so happy because you don't know what he's doing behind the scenes. That's Haman. Wicked spirit. Wicked. And that spirit, it it makes you tired. It causes fatigue. And you see that in... Exodus 17, in the physical, when they were fighting him, the Amalekites, in Exodus 17, verses 10 to 12. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had advantage. But whenever his hand dropped, the Amalekites gained advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired. 
so he could not hold them. Or if you get so tired of all this stuff going on, you don't even want to pray anymore. You're so tired and so fatigued from every trouble, from everything just hitting at you. You don't want to pray. You don't feel like praying. You don't want to go to church. That's the spirit of Haman. Remember I was telling you, watch movie, you are fine, but want to study the Bible, you fall asleep. That's the spirit of Haman. When you kneel down to pray, you find yourself sleeping. That's the spirit of Haman. That tiredness, that sleep is not natural. Why is it only when you want to talk to God that you fall asleep? The same thing. That tiredness Moses had when he couldn't hold his hands up in prayer, in praise. That tiredness was not ordinary. He was fighting the Amalekites. So let's look at Haman. Esther chapter 3 verses 5 to 6. I'll probably be staying here for a while. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage to him. Remember, Mordecai is Esther's uncle that raised Esther up. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. For they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. That's, those two verses there are loaded. Let's break it down. Let's break it down. Number one, Mordecai refused to bow down. He refused to bow down to evil. That is what God is asking of us too. No matter the pressure, let everybody bow down. Let everybody worship the idol. Let everybody compromise. You don't bow down. Mordecai said, no, I'm not going to bow down. He's the only one that didn't bow down. He is the only one. You might be the only one God has raised in your family. You might be the only one that's really following God the way God wants to be followed and served. Don't make them think that you're doing the wrong thing. Don't compromise. Don't give in. Don't bow down. In the world that we are living in, young people, if you're listening to me or if you're here, please don't bow down. Don't bow down to evil. At the end of the day, God wants to use you to do great and mighty things. And if you bow down, He cannot use you. It fills the enemy with wrath. The spirit of Haman is not going to be happy that you are not bowing down. But look at what happened. That's, look at verse 6. He says, he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. What does that mean? That means he decided it was corn for you to tell him to deal with only Mordecai. He said, I'm not going to deal with him alone. I'm going to not only deal with him, all his people. Did all the people do anything to him? Wasn't only Mordecai that didn't bow? So what makes that spirit of him and decide he will not just, because you are living for Christ, he will not just follow you, he wants to go through you after your family. You see that there? He disdained it, that it's only Mordecai he will, he will attack. He said, I'm going to go after everybody that belongs to Mordecai. Is that not the same thing we're fighting? Your children, your job, your career, your family, your brothers, your sisters, 
Everybody says, through her, the kingdom, through her, you're here in Texas, your brother in, in, in New York, your mother in Asia or Africa, all of you are dealing with the same thing. Is that natural? That's because the spirit of Hema will not, doesn't want just you alone. It says, for they have told him of the people of Mordecai. The spirit of Haman has been watching and studying you. He knows everything about you. You see what the Bible says not to be ignorant of his devices? He has studied you. And then Christians say, ah, why are we talking about the devil? Why? Let's hmm? <laughs> when Jesus says you should not be ignorant of his ways and his, his devices, we need to study him. When the U.S. go to war, do you think they go to war without studying their enemy? How do you win against your enemy if you don't study him? You tell me, how do you, a, football, a football team or a basketball team, they spend hours watching their opposition to know how they move, how they, who goes to here, who, who is the strong person, who do they attack. We should do the same thing. He's not playing games, and so why do we think we should, we should not study him? He studied you. He knows you very well. And the Bible says, Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews. Does that sound like the enemy is looking for, walking around looking for whom he may devour? Is that not the same scripture we are seeing in another form? He's seeking for a way to come in. He's looking for that foothold to take. Don't give him a foothold, the Bible says. Don't let your door open. Don't crack it open for him. Don't give him an... He can go to heaven. We will see it. He went, this Haman went to the king. The king didn't drive him out. He was in the court of the king. Legally, he could be there. The same way the enemy legally went to God and said, You see Job. So you have to make sure you don't give him any legal hold. Anything that you are doing in the, I mean, again, in these last days, please, no matter how pleasurable it is to this flesh, your job is to crucify that thing and get yourself ready for the coming of Christ. He sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom. Not just you. He's seeking for a way to come in so he can have a legal right to get on you. Your family, your money, your health, everything. The Bible says in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Destruction. That's what he's about. The spirit of Haman. Wicked spirit. Doesn't want to spare the children. Doesn't want to spare anybody. In fact, he comes after the weak ones. Let's see what, what happened. I'm going to kind of jump ahead to this. So I go to chapter 3, verses 8 to 9. Esther chapter 3, verses 8 to 9. Then Haman, Haman said to King Ahasuerus, <laughs> now he's in the presence of the king, there's a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people of all the provinces of your kingdom. Listen to this. Their laws <laughs> are different from other people's. 
and they do not keep the king's laws. So when you do something that God does not want, the Bible says, him that does what he knows is right to do, it is a sin to him. If you do anything, Satan can go to the Lord and say, they are not keeping your laws, Lord. That's what Haman did. Always looking for a way to accuse you day and night. He's the accuser of the brethren. He went and said, Lord, uh, king, they are not keeping your laws. And guess what? The king, <laughs> he couldn't say anything. Let me go ahead. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. Don't let them be blessed. Don't, don't see they've sinned against you. They've done, disobeyed you. By law, you said if they disobey you, they cannot have your promises. He says, if it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they may be destroyed. And I, him, and we pay 10,000. He wants to so destroyed, he's willing to invest his own money. Um, to a king. And we, I, I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work. To work. See how wicked the spirit is? To bring it into the king's treasuries. Listen to this. In, I'm, I'm going to do a lot of scriptures. I'm very deliberate in this. Please. Let's do, see what the scripture says. Let's go to Esther chapter 3 verses 11 to 13. And the king said to Haman, The money and the people are given to you. To do what? Read it. To do with them as it seems good to you. Huh? To do to them as it good, seems good to the devil? Remember what he told, we told when he, when he came before Job? That's the same thing he told him. He says, he's in your hand. Go and do exactly what you will to him. The only thing, don't take his life. The courts of heaven, like I said last week, and I'm, going, I'm coming up with something on that. Satan can go there and accuse you, and if you give him a legal right, God cannot protect you. So we have some things happening in our life. We are not honest with ourselves. We are really not tell honest with where. And you will see that when Esther went to the king, how she exposed herself and told the king who she was. Even when we are praying to God, we are, we are not honest with him, with the things we are dealing with. And so the enemy just has the right and he keeps telling you, oh, God loves you. Yes, he loves you. He's a God of love. But he's also a God of judgment. God is, he loves you, but he has, he will not, he honors his word even above his name. If he has written it, it will not return to him void. The soul that sinneth shall die. If you disobey God, there are blessings for obedience. There are curses for disobedience. He says, do to them as it seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were called on the 13th day of the first month. And a decree was written according to all that Haman had commanded. It's Haman that's commanding now. The king is sitting down, but he can't do anything. 
It wasn't the king's command. It was Haman's command now. To the king's satraps, to the governors who were over each province, <laughs> principalities, remember? Haman, the spirit of Haman is a principality. He has satraps, he has governors ruling different provinces. And like I said, that's why something happening here, another prince, another governor is making it happen in, in Kentucky. To the governors who were over each province, to the officials of all people, to every province according to his script, to the command of Haman, and to everybody in their language. <laughs> Satan is wicked. And it was done in the name of King Ahasuerus. And it was signed and sealed. Like I said, the word of God does not return to him void. And the letters were sent by couriers, the demonic forces, into all the king's provinces to destroy. Listen to this. What was their, what was their purpose and their goal? was to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate. What does that scripture remind, that, remind you of in the New Testament? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You see why the Bible is such a beautiful book to read? Now, you can see how things are connecting and your eyes are just like pam, 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 opening like that in the spirit. Now you can see what the enemy is doing. He doesn't know that we are smarter than him. See what was happening here. He says to destroy to kill and to annihilate all the Jews. Listen to this. Both young and old and little children and women in one, one day. The same thing he did when they left Egypt. In one day, went behind, sneaked up on them and killed the same, the same kind of people. And read, let's go on. On the 13th day of the 12th month, which is in the month of Ada, and to plunder. He's not just, just wanting to, to kill, steal, and destroy, but he wants to plunder, take from you everything that belongs to you. And so that's why you must go to his camp. Like the Bible says, I came to take what belonged to me and have him pay you back. Not only what he took, but make him pay with interest. The king gave him permission. The king did not write the orders. It's not God's will that any man should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. But he cannot do anything if we are not working according to his will. He didn't write the orders. Haman did not operate alone. Haman wanted to kill, to steal, to annihilate, to plunder. So when you have unforgiveness against somebody. You are not hurting them. You are allowing the spirit of Haman to operate. When you have bitterness against somebody, when we just feel somebody did something to us, we cannot forgive them. We are not really hurting that person. We are giving the spirit of Haman cover to keep operating in our lives. Those are things we need to start breaking off. Offense. Like I said, I think believers are the most offended people. Everything offends us. And we are just giving him and more power to operate. 
What is the good news today? The good news is that God did not leave us defenseless. The good news is that we are not helpless. He did not leave us without hope and without help. He has given us everything in Romans 8.37. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57. He says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. These things are not meant to make us fear the devil. These things are not meant to make us feel that we don't have power. These things are meant for us to see really that he's wicked, he's vicious, and so we don't take any chances with him and we don't spare him when it comes to destroying things in our own lives. When it comes to standing for the Lord and doing what he's telling us to do. When it's time to face what is going on in your life and in your family. Don't spare him. You have the power. We all have the power. Amen? Amen. I saw this thing. When we think, what is Satan really like? When we see all these things and, and see all the stuff that they showed on TV. Somebody dressed up in red with a horn thing on his head with a pitchfork and doing all this crazy stuff. Or is Satan this snake? Or is Satan this handsome man that's chiseled and, and irresistible? Is that, is that how Satan is? Powerful and... No. Let's see what the Bible says about Satan. Jesus said, first of all, he said, I see him fall, fall like lightning. He says in Isaiah 14, verses 12 and then 16 to 17. He says, how you are falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. And so your job and my job is to make sure he's been cut down. You make sure you put your leg on him. Let him stay there on the ground where he belongs. He's not powerful. He says, you who weaken the nations. He says, those who see you will gaze at you and wonder, consider, saying, is this the man? The day you get to see Satan, you're going to say, huh? It's you that did all these things to people. You, because you are, you'll be so shocked at how little how small, how pathetic, how weak he is. And you realize that everything we allowed him to do in our lives, in our families, is because of what we gave him. He cannot read your... He, he doesn't know what's going on until you speak. He doesn't know what to do until you behave in a certain way. Everything the enemy uses against you, we sometimes hand it to him in a platter. So when you see him, you're going to be so mad. You say, you, you are the one who caused all these wars. You are the one who caused all these bad things to happen. You, you are this weak and pathetic. You are so small. You are so disgusting. He's not powerful. He's not. And I saw God wants us. Pastor Roy talks about sharp teeth. Let me read it. That scripture is, is wonderful. This is what God has made you and I. Isaiah 41, verse 15 to 16. I'll read it in New Living Translation. He says, you will be, you will be a new threshing instrument with many sharp teeth. Not just one, many. 
Whichever angle he comes, you have teeth there to take him out. He says you will tear your enemies apart, making shafts of mountains, no matter the mountain, no matter the thing he puts in front of you. You are sharp. You have teeth to thresh it down. You will toss them in the air. Have you seen the lions fighting and taking those animals and just like, pew? You will toss them in the air and the wind will blow them all away. A whirlwind will scatter them. Then you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. We have the power. God has anointed you, anointed me, sanctified you, sanctified me, sister. He's put his robes on you. He calls you his queen. You are his bride. He has set you apart. He's translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. He's washed you clean with the blood of Jesus. And the enemy wants to come back and soil that. You are Esther. I am Esther. We have all been raised at a time like this. God brought you to the scene for the war you are fighting in your life. God brought you to the scene for the war that you have to fight for your family. God brought you to the scene for us to get our community and our nation back. If we don't do it, who will do it? So that's what I'm saying. Refrain from posting things. Refrain from talking. Like those who their eyes have not been opened. We are spiritually intelligent. We have eyes that can see. We have ears that can hear. We don't operate on the natural level. When we are reading Haman in the story of Esther, we know what we are reading. We know we are not just reading only about a man named Haman. How many years ago we know that the spirit of Haman is here, alive, and strong today. And Esther, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to bow like everybody else? Next week we are going to see how Esther dealt with the spirit of Haman. We are going to see how a young girl... An orphan girl destroyed the, the second man in command of a whole nation, a whole empire. She was beautiful, but she also had brains. And she was also spiritually intelligent. We will see what she did next week. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. I'm mad. I hope you know that I'm mad. I told the enemy he will pay for the pain I was, I went through, for what he put me through. If I perish, I perish. That's what I've told God. That Esther, if I perish, I perish. I, I'm not playing games anymore. I am not. And I don't want us to. We're not playing games anymore. We can see. The times of ignorance is over. The times of play, time of playing cute is over. 
Mm-mm-mm. God is looking for a people that can see. He says you have ears, but you cannot see. We are not those people. Amen? Raise your hands. Father, we are those people. We are those people, Lord. We are the men and the women that you are saying, who will go for me? Lord, the Ark Fellowship. Every man, every woman here at the sound of my voice. Every boy, every girl. Lord, we say here we are. We will go for you, Lord. Every distraction in our lives, Father. We come against it today in the name of Jesus. Every noise by that spirit of Haman, we remove it today. Every chaos, every chaotic thing in our life, one trouble today before we finish that three come up. We curse it today in the name of Jesus. We are going to be intelligent, Lord. We are going to hear you. We are going to see you. We are going to rise up in our spirit, man. To fight in the spirit. To use the weapons you have given us. Father, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. We are here before you, Lord. Anoint us afresh. Anoint us by the spirit, oh God, afresh. To do great exploits. To use that teeth. That you say that we are. To destroy every enemy in our life. To destroy every enemy in our family. To destroy them all. To the glory of your name. In Jesus name. Please I want all the prayer partners to come. If you were not here last week. You want somebody to pray for you. Please come to the front as our people are here praying. I also have a two-page thing. It says 10 points, 10 ways to break anything over your life. I didn't go over it last week because there was no time. But I typed it out. I thought I had it with me, but I sent it to Teresa. We have it at the back. Okay. It's 10 ways. What to do, how to pray over yourself. Ten things, ten steps to break off any negative cycles in your life. Any negative patterns. Please duplicate it. Share it with everybody you know. You now should be out there helping people to get free. The steps are there, very easy to follow. When you get home today, if in doubt, use it for yourself first. Take care of anything first for yourself. And if you feel it's something you cannot handle... We are here for you. Give me a call. I will walk with you. But I want us to be a church that is looking for the enemy. We are looking for him now. He's not the one looking for us. We are looking for him now to destroy him. We are looking for him. We are looking for him. And then we have Annette and, and Henry. I, I just, my brain is all scripture and word. They are starting a ministry for the single mothers. And they actually have today 25 gift cards or 20 gift, gift cards of $25 each for the, um, for the Valentine. So please, after service, they'll be out there. If you're a single mother, they have a gift for you. If you know any single mother in the community, let us know. We will go to them 
and bless them with a gift card for Valentine's Day. Amen. Let me bless you before you go. Father, I bless your people today. Let this week be a week of favor. Let your favor surround them like a shield. Bless them going out. Bless them coming in. Testimonies this week to the glory of your name. Let no evil befall them. Protect them. Let nothing happen to your children. We we'll cover them. I cover them with the blood of Jesus. Be with them this week, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayers, please come to the front.